0: This morning, uh, like he said, we're, we're bumping worship to the end, and we're going to uh, look at something from God's word today, and then we're going to have our prayer team on the side today, because they want to pray for you, uh, and specifically to pray for healing. So there's stuff in all of our lives where good things get broken uh, and God is a restoring God who puts back together broken things and broken bodies and broken people. And so today, as that is in some level, all of us, we wanna step into the power of God, to the love of God, to the ability of God to put back together what life and what we have broken. And so to get there, we're gonna talk about the best day in the history of the world, not ice cream day, but uh, something better. We're talking about the resurrection The resurrection was where Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead on Resurrection Sunday. And Dr. Luke, what we've said so far is the crowdsource of the gospel. It's not just one person. It's a guy who asked hundreds of people lots of questions and then put together the story of Jesus. He says this in Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. He says, very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb carrying the spices that they had prepared. They found... Because at this point, they expect the dead body to stay dead, which is what all of us would. So they went to the tomb where Jesus was buried. It says they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? And then the nine words that changed history. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. And so they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. This right here, that moment, the nine words that changed history. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. This, if you're a Jesus follower or if you're not, I'm going to spoil it right here. This is the foundation of our faith. This moment is what everything is grounded upon. I've said it before. We don't have faith in faith if you're a Jesus follower. Like We're not just trusting in trust. We have our faith in the fact that the dead body didn't stay where it was supposed to, but that Jesus was risen from the dead and walked out of his own grave. And if you're thinking in the back of your head, yeah, but maybe not. All right, I'm gonna indulge that right here because one of the things that we should never feel bad about, especially with sensational stories like this, is we should never feel bad about questioning. Our questions aren't gonna worry God. It's not like we can ask something where he's like, oh man, I never, never thought about that. I've been around for thousands of years. And pineapple on pizza, I never thought of that. That's not what he's saying. In fact, what we want to be is a community that encourages questions. And it's been seven days since we've talked about it. But this is exactly what the Alpha course is about. And if you're thinking, oh, I would love to go, but I just want to know, are they going to talk about questions and doubts? We have a video that was taken from a few weeks ago that talks about this. So what if the resurrection never happened? What if somebody just, I don't know, missed a dead body of a fully grown man? Like maybe they just didn't see it, maybe, maybe, let's roll the tape. Look, look at what happened if it didn't or did
1: happen. There are four pieces of evidence for the resurrection. The first is his absence from the tomb. No one has ever satisfactorily explained how Jesus' body was absent from the tomb that first Easter day. People have come up with all kinds of explanations. For example, maybe the authorities stole the body. Well, in that case, why didn't they produce it when people started saying that he'd risen from the dead? Or perhaps the robbers stole the body. But when the disciples heard that Jesus had had been seen, they ran to the tomb. And they found that the tomb was not empty. Inside the tomb were the grave clothes that Jesus had been wrapped in.
2: The only valuable thing that a robber might have taken was still there. The grave clothes had collapsed like a caterpillar's cocoon when a butterfly has emerged. And the piece that had been around Jesus' head had been folded up and put in a different place. And when they saw that, they believed. The second was his presence with the disciples. Jesus was seen on more than 11 occasions, on one occasion by a group of around 500 people. People say, well, it could have been a hallucination. Well, hallucination does happen among highly strong, very nervous or highly imaginative people, or people who are sick or or on drugs. But the disciples don't fit any of those categories. They were cynics like Thomas. There were tough fishermen, there were tax collectors, and tax collectors do not
1: hallucinate. The third piece of evidence is the transformation that we see in the disciples. Here was a group of people who were disillusioned, despairing that their leader had died. And then suddenly they were transformed. They started saying, we've seen Jesus, he's really alive. And they went around telling everybody. Later on, practically all of them were killed. Crucified, tortured, beheaded because of what they believed. And if they were deceiving people, all they had to do was say, no, 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 it's not actually true. But they never said that because they knew it was true. It had totally transformed their lives. And as a result, this extraordinary movement swept around the whole known world. And it's a movement without precedent in the history of humanity. And fourth, it's still happening today.
2: There are now over 2.3 billion Christians around the world. Of every ethnicity, continent, nationality, economic, social, and intellectual background, they all speak of this encounter with the risen Jesus Christ.
0: So that's the stuff that we talk about Tuesday nights, six o'clock, right here. If you're thinking, "What do I do for dinner? What do I do with my food? Or what do I do with my kids?" Both of those are handled. So we serve dinner. Kids are watched over there by some really responsible people. And if you're in high school, or if you're a teenager, so if your age ends with teen, we've got a table just for you. You're not going to sit with mom and dad. You're going to sit with people your age and some leaders who are a little bit older than you who are going to walk through all this stuff, answering the why behind the what that we believe. So historical event, 100 percent historical, grounded, backed up by sources inside and outside the Bible. And the best part about historical events is they don't stay historical. They become personal. Historical events that get really big become personal. And Resurrection Sunday becomes a personal event because that's where Jesus defeated the power of the devil. Resurrection Sunday becomes a personal event because that's where Jesus defeated the power of the devil. And that changes everything for us personally and spiritually changes everything for us in our identity, in explaining and understanding our past and looking at our future and what is going to happen in our life and through our life and because of our life. That day when Jesus didn't stay dead changes all of this for us. And the first thing that it changes for us is around a spiritual concept, a Christian concept that we see everywhere else in the world, but we've got a different terminology and a different way of understanding it. And That is around sin. Jesus' defeat of the power of the devil changes everything about us in regards to sin. So Romans uh, 6 is where we're gonna be for the rest of the day. If you got your Bible or your app, you can go there now. It's in the New Testament. It's the sixth book right after the names and then it's Acts and then it's Romans. And it says this in verse five. It says, since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For we died with Christ, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. Since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. This is one of the things that was in the video this week is but our life with God. It's like you and I are our palm right here. God is up in the sky. But between us and God, there's this thing, this thing that means that we can't see God. We can't be in the presence of God. That is sin. And what happened on the cross was that Jesus took the thing that separated us from God because, not because God decided he didn't like us anymore, but because of God's character, because of God's holiness, he couldn't be in the the presence of sin and so what happened on the cross which is what we talked about last week our sin was transferred to Jesus and so now Jesus took our sin takes all of our regrets takes all of our addictions takes all of the relationships in which we have failed and he takes those upon himself which means that we're now free it means that we can have a relationship with God And at the resurrection, what happened was Jesus died for our sin, paying the death penalty for our sin that we had created. So now there's room for relationship. The debt has been paid. The captivity is over. The bondage that held you and me in regret and separation from God has been paid for. All that's left is an invitation for relationship. The separation and the power of sin are gone because two things Jesus did. First thing was he lived life in our shoes. He had people around him who caused him stress and said embarrassing things about him and they were his family. So there's nothing that he could do. He had people, people that he spent time with, people that he did work with and trusted in, stab him in the back and betray him. He had people lie about him. All these things that you and I experienced, Jesus experienced also. And he lived all of that in our shoes, dying in our shoes. And then he kept the shoes on as he walked out of the grave. So this past Friday, Friday's my day to go to Costco. I love Costco because there's so many like examples and stuff in there. Uh, It's like I've said before, it's Christian Grand Theft Auto. Like you drive in there as quick as you can, you get your parking spot as fast as you can, and then you're in and out of there as fast as you can, hopefully not committing any crimes in the process because people like to walk eight wide at half a mile an hour down every single aisle and jumping over them is somehow frowned upon. So... I'm walking out with my very responsible cart uh, of trash bags and, like, other boring stuff. And I see a guy uh, who's, like, dressed nice, probably, like, on a break for work or something. And he's got, in one hand, he has a dozen roses. In the other hand, he has a bottle of champagne. All that's missing is the Marvin Gaye download. Like, this guy is on a mission for one thing. And if you're not sure, ask your parents. So... (laughs) I look at him and I think, that is a lot better than what I'm here for. (laughs) There's more trash bags, but there's nothing more exciting. Um, And one thing I notice about my hero um, is he's wearing the same shoes that I have on. I'm like, I don't have a bottle of champagne and a dozen roses and the expectations for a great afternoon, but I've got those shoes. I've got those shoes. The thing about the resurrection of Jesus is he puts on our shoes is he dies our death that we deserved. But the part that I don't want us to stay on is the fact that he was rose from the dead and he kept our shoes on as he walked out of the grave. That means that the sin that Jesus defeated, that's our sin that he defeated. That's our addiction's That's what everybody could say about us, about how we are a horrible person and have ruined our life or their life. And even if it's true, Jesus wore it and walked out of the grave to say that sin no longer has any power over your life and over my life. That there's forgiveness now in Jesus. The way I like to say it is that we have a past life now because Jesus gives us the opportunity to have a past life that we don't have to be the men and women we used to be. Instead, we can be sons and daughters of our God who put on our shoes, who died our death, and then rose to new life so we could rise with them. So it changes everything around sin. It also changes everything around death. Death is the inescapable enemy in all of our lives. There's still a one-to-one correlation between birth and death. Like Jesus raised three people from the dead during his lifetime, and all three of those people are just as dead as you and I will be one day except for Jesus. Jesus rising from the dead validated his ministry and announced his power. And there were so many things about Jesus's death that he predicted. There were so many things that he nailed down. He said he was gonna be betrayed. He said he was gonna be handed over to the religious leaders. He said he was going to die. And he said he was going to rise again. And then he did all four things exactly as he said. And so if he's right about all those things, that means that we can trust him in so many other things. It means there's an opportunity for us to take our trust away from ourselves and put it in the hands of Jesus. And say, "Okay, you're right about your betrayal, your arrest, your trial, your death, your resurrection. I'm going to trust you now with my relationships. I'm going to treat people the way you tell me to. I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm going to trust you with my sexuality. I'm going to trust you with fear. I'm going to trust you with possessions. I'm going to trust you with all these things. Jesus' resurrection validated his ministry. Back to Romans, verse nine. It says, we are sure of this, that we also live with Jesus. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. The truth for Christians and for us, for those who follow him throughout the last 2,000 years is there's been this thing in the back of Christians' minds that it pushes them into insane situations where they end up dying physically because of who they follow spiritually. And that's the idea that death isn't actually the end for us. That death isn't actually the end. Our Our earthly lives end in a variety of states. Sometimes it's neat You got family around, you're reading your Bible, you're singing, and then you just kind of slip from life into death and wake up in glory. Or it's messy. Either way, we wake up in glory, we wake up in heaven because Jesus conquered the grave, because Jesus said that there's life after death and then he paved the way for us because again, we used to be separated from God because of our sins, but now Jesus paid for our sin, conquered our sin, defeated our sin and walks out of the grave sin-free so that we can walk with him free from the power of sin in our life. He's walking out of the tomb in our shoes and inviting us into eternal life after death because he did it first and then calls us with him in that. And now the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in everyone who follows him. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in everyone who follows him. That happens because of the Holy Spirit. Week one, we talked about week one of this this series that we're in about the saving life of Jesus. We talked about three words that we all use, but we mash them together to make one word that nobody uses, the incarnation. That's God putting on meat and living in our world. God becoming a human to live in our shoes like we've said. But that was temporary. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, what we're going to talk about, in two weeks. And what he did after that was he left the Holy Spirit. And for the people who heard that in that day, it was so far beyond what they thought God would do. Because their understanding of God up to that point was at the very beginning of their story. He would just kind of drop in on people and call their name and say, hey, this is what I have for you. And then after that, he said, I want you to build me a tent, and I'm going to move where you move. And so they did that. And then after living in a tent, God realizes this is a bad idea. You should build me a house. And so they build God a temple, and he lives in the temple. And then the temple is destroyed, and God's people think God is done talking to us. We blew it. We messed up. They weren't good enough. They ruined it for everybody. And then Jesus walked into town as a human. And he lived in our shoes. He died in our shoes. He walked out of his own grave, bringing us with him. And then he went up to heaven to be with God. Ascended. He didn't die. He ascended up into heaven. And what he left in his place was the Holy Spirit. That's God living inside of us. God goes from the tent to the temple to broken and gone. And has he left us, and then into a person, and then into his followers. This is so far over the skis of what everybody expected God to be that he actually loved people enough to live inside of them. Like, think about that for you for a second. If you decide to follow Jesus, that means that Jesus actually moves in. Moves into your secrets, moves into your habits, moves into the stuff that you're pretty sure no one should ever know about, let alone God, because he's not gonna be excited about it. He moves in and when he moves in he moves in to move through us one page later from where we were in Romans 8:11 it says this about that the spirit of god who raised jesus from the dead in our shoes in our place all that stuff lives in what's that word you say it personally lives in me and just as god raised jesus from the dead he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. We said a couple weeks ago that when sin entered the world, it held the door for abuse, for brokenness, for disease, for neglect, for death, for all these things to come rushing into the world. And when Jesus died for our sins, he held the door for all those things to begin to become undone. And we live in a world where there's still tragedy. We live in the world where there's still disease. We live in the world where there are still people who die long before they should. But Jesus has already conquered sin and death in our place. He walked out of his own grave in our shoes and he's beginning to roll that stuff back. And so today is a day for us to step into the historical day where Jesus walked out of his own grave and make that a personal day for us for us to ask the God who puts marriages back together, for us to ask the God who puts bodies back together, for us to ask the God who heals addictions and puts thought processes and patterns and habits in our lives back together, for us to restore what the devil who is defeated has stolen from us. This is our day to go to our God who died for us, who rose for us, who brings us with him into new life to say, okay, God, now I want you to do that in me. As your body was defeated and killed, you conquered death, rose from the dead, and walked out. And so now I want you to do that in my relationship with my kids. I want you to do that in in my body as it hasn't fully recovered again from COVID. I want you to do that in my fear. I want you to do that in insert area here. This is our day to step into this for the historical day to become personal. And so like we do every time we do this, uh, this morning and Sunday morning prayer, which meets right over there at nine if you want to join us next week. We just ask the Lord, God, who is out here at our church that, uh, that you want to minister to today? Who do you want to bring freedom to today? And so God um, brought a few people to mind. He said, there's someone um, with a car that, that's ruining your finances and God wants to lead you out of the worry and stress around that today. There's someone struggling through life uh, with with self-defeating thoughts, blocking them from receiving God's light. And so God wants to equip you today with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith to receive from the Lord and for him to bring light to your life. There's someone who feels worthless and you need to hear today that you are chosen and precious to your heavenly father. There's someone who's struggling with a left ear issue today and Jesus wants to heal your ear. There's someone living in darkness and feeling overwhelmed, and Jesus wants to bring light to your life. There's someone with a sharp stomach pain today, and Jesus wants to heal that. There's someone who feels heartbroken and desperate, and Jesus wants to heal that. And there's a marriage that feels stuck in tar, and you can't even move. You don't even know what to do. You feel stuck. And God wants to pull you out of that together and save your marriage. So the challenge for us today is, again, to take the historical day and make it personal. if you're thinking, well, that, that, that was close, but that's not totally me. Man, my encouragement to you is to follow the nudge, to step into this, to let the risen Jesus move in your life today. Take whatever faith you might have or don't have because it's not about your faith. It's about God's power to heal. And that's what we're gonna ask him to do today. Let's stand and pray.